Hi, and welcome to Redressing Weddings. I'm Ilya Parkins, a professor of gender studies at the University of British Columbia. I started this project on wedding clothes. In my research, I work on clothing and fashion and how they connect to gender and sexuality. And I'm Kenya Gutteridge, the editor for this podcast and the research assistant for this project. I'm a recent graduate of the University of British Columbia with an interest in clothes, gender, and sexuality as well. For this series, we talked to dozens of people in Canada, the US, England, and Scotland about their wedding attire. We wanted specifically to hear from queer, trans, and feminist folks. And just a note here, we're using queer as an umbrella term that covers the whole range of the folks we talked to, who identified as bisexual, pansexual, gay, lesbian, and for most of them, in fact, queer. So why these people, you might be asking? Well, it's because queer and trans folks and feminists have historically had a really uncomfortable relationship with weddings in this heteronormative patriarchal culture, and yet they're having weddings in droves. And so, as people with a deep interest in fashion and dress, we wondered about the ways people are presenting themselves on the day of their weddings. Because clothes are a really important, powerful way of expressing identity, and they play such an important role in the wedding. Clothing is such an important part of my wedding planning that I didn't think would ever be the case. I've never really thought about it before, but as we get kind of closer to, to coming to terms with, with actually putting things on paper and, and finding out what I want to do, you know, there's there's this juxtaposition, I guess, between wanting to do something that, that lands well with, with my queer identity, like paying respect to kind of like the feminine parts of me as well as the masculine parts of me, whether that comes out as androgyny or not. And, and, and is the rejection of like the, like kind of the traditional wedding wear of like for women, it would be, you know, some sort of gown. I don't necessarily want to do that, but I don't necessarily also just want to show up in a suit and go completely the opposite side. It doesn't really make sense to me. So yeah, just trying to play with the, what does androgyny look like? How do I play with both masculine and feminine? That was Lee. For this first episode, we talked to Lee and five other queer women. Some of them are planning their weddings and some of them have already had them. We talked about the ways clothes have figured into how they're seen as queer at their weddings, or not. What was really clear was that these folks were thinking a lot about authenticity, about how to use dress to present their whole selves. Here's Lee again. You know, I'm a queer person and identify as a woman, but I really only use that label because it's been a big part of my life and, and it makes sense. But but really, um, the the kind of openness... Um, in which I live my life and who I am as a person, I want to make sure that that's like reflected in our in our wedding as well. It needs to be kind of a reflection of who we are. Emily talked about authenticity a lot too, and how best to embrace and present herself as both queer and feminine, two terms she strongly identifies with, but which have sometimes come into conflict in her life. I grew up loving dress up. I have two older sisters. It was just what we did all the time. We had this big box of clothes and they were old bridesmaids dresses that my mom and aunts had worn. And we loved just getting creative and and playing with clothing. And when I came out in college, I think I had a little bit of a grieving process for some of, for, for some of those clothing, um, styles that I really enjoyed wearing because I thought that I had to jump from one box into another box. So I had this this process of 
you know, doing the, the stereotypical thing of coming out and then, you know, trying to wear really queer clothing so that I could be uh, more visible in the community. And then I ended up coming back into a more traditional feminine style and yeah, learning how to embrace my queerness in that style has been really interesting. And then figuring out how to do that in the wedding as well, you know, how to feel feel my queer identity while at the same time embodying some of those more traditional feminine pieces. For Emily, a lot of the question of authenticity comes down to feeling like her queer self at the same time as feeling like a bride. This was something we heard from other people, too, like two different Katies we spoke to. The clothes of a traditional, you know, straight wedding are so binary. And so the women wear dresses and that didn't feel quite right for me. Yet I identify very feminine, but yet I was like, now I'm not so feminine that I want to be wearing a dress. And that created a, a huge challenge for me in terms of, of, of what do I want to wear? How do I feel completely authentic without deviating too far from what the day is and what a wedding is, if that makes sense? Picking what to wear to the wedding was really challenging, I think, for both of us. For me, it was it was a little bit challenging because I am not a very feminine person. Uh, it's not how I identify. I don't I don't wear dresses generally. And so trying to find something for me that made me feel like it was my wedding still, but it wasn't sort of betraying my identity or I was sort of like dressing up as something I wasn't. It sounds like they each had distinct ways to navigate this when they actually chose what they'd wear. Originally, I was thinking, okay, well, I'm going to I'm going to play around with with gender expression and I'm going to wear something black. Well, you know, a black wedding dress costs 20 grand and you can only get it from Europe and online. So that was kind of out. Right. And so then I played around with black jumpsuits or something fancier that was sort of not white, essentially. On the other hand. The other Katie, along with some other folks, found that it felt important to wear white in order to feel like a bride. The word bride and the word bridal, it just feels very feminine still even just to say it. But but yeah, I mean, I wanted to feel like recognizable as, as the bride at the wedding, as a bride at the wedding. And so, you know, I was like, okay, it needs to be white and it needs to be formal for the occasion. Carly also thought a lot about looking bridal and what it would mean, especially when it came to being a woman marrying another woman. In a lot of ways, it was a political act and a statement because, you know, we were two women getting married, especially at a time when it wasn't something that was broadly legal and things like that. But at the same time, it was also this idea of we really wanted to center this around the idea that we were just two people getting married. You know, some of that, I think the desire to have me, both of us wear white was probably, you know, driven by traditional gender roles, you know, well, a woman wears white to her wedding. But I think also it was just this idea of, it's, you know, it's not a matter of party A and party B have to look a certain way. It's a matter of we have two women and we're going to center it around that and about, you know, what does a woman wear to her wedding? Carly also brings up here this important question about getting dressed for the queer wedding as a political act. Lee talked about this too. I sort of see the wedding as this one, I probably shouldn't put it down as like my one chance to like 
kind of like make this this impression on everybody and have a good time and just celebrate who we are I probably wouldn't feel so strongly about that if there wasn't so much tradition associated with with weddings around fertility and around traditional gender roles and a lot of those pieces I sort of feel like I have to go up against it and try to change the narrative around what weddings are and what this is for us and what it can be for other people as well it sounds as if she takes this seriously as a political responsibility, even. I mean, the wedding industry is so well, <laughs> well formed that you can walk in and be like, I'm getting married. And then you, you, they basically can tell you everything that you need to do and everything you need to get and all your options and, and everything from there. It's easy to kind of fall into, well, this is what you can do. Any of the changes you make is, is in, like against that process is intentional and meant to have a purpose, whether it's about yourself or about, um, you know, how you exist in, in the space around you or with the people you love. Lee talked a lot about being intentional. When do you get a chance to make this kind of a statement? Because that's that's what you're doing. You're kind of saying, okay, this is me and here I am and, and this this outfit, what I'm doing to, to visually represent myself is intentional. This question of intention came up a lot. How to purposefully bring one's many selves to the wedding, incorporating and curating them really carefully. Here's one of our Katie's. The wedding became this place where I was suddenly really forced to look at how do I want to present myself and what do I want to wear. Our other Katie was also thinking very intentionally about how to present on her wedding day. In her case, though, the stakes were a little different. I married my wife from, uh, we met in college and we got married in March 2019. It was sort of an interesting ceremony. It was really small, just family and friends. But what makes it sort of interesting to this discussion, I think, is that my wife is a transgender woman. And at the time of our wedding, she was not out to her family. And so we were trying to kind of navigate this interesting line between making it feel authentic to who we were and and also not outing her to her family. We were definitely just aiming to go as gender neutral or as even, you know, even if it's not super gender neutral, but just something a little non-traditional just to sort of cue people away from that sort of husband and wife iconography, I guess. It, it, it was tough because I thought maybe, you know, if I wore a white suit or a jumper or something, something with pants, that people would read that as more queer and, and that in turn would help validate my wife. What it sounds like is that Katie was walking a tightrope between feeling safe and comfortable and feeling authentic. Victoria was also navigating these waters. I wouldn't say that I'm like closeted in any way, but there are definitely like members of my extended family that I would just I just wouldn't bother talking about my queerness too because I'm like, eh, like, you know, why, you know, it's just, it's kind of one of those situations where I'm like, if I feel like I'm going to have to overly explain myself, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. The way Victoria negotiated this was not to suppress the parts of her that identify her as queer, but also not to intentionally invest in them. There are certain certain things that we see as queer coded. And I 
never wanted to push those aside or pretend they didn't exist. For example, choosing something that might show off some of my tattoos and like tattoos aren't inherently queer, but they are, they are pretty big in queer culture and I have an undercut and I wasn't gonna grow that out or cover that up. This question of queer-coded style elements that Victoria brings up is something we heard a lot. Here's Lee again, thinking through how to drag up her look to present the femininity she identifies with through her wedding outfit. There's actually been a lot of, uh, like, I guess, queer social media influencers and YouTubers and things like that that I've looked into recently that have kind of helped me look at more possibilities you know what is pants in an, in an outfit it can be feminized entirely with like a different kind of top or embellished but not like overtly embellished makeup can be a huge part of it that'll kind of like bring together the outfit and drag up that that persona and like and really kind of convey that portion of it so i i'm seeing a lot of really great inspiration out there and emily described really wanting to celebrate queer style in her own wedding one of one of the things I'm really proud of for being queer and for being part of the queer community is that our community really pushes style forward. We were in the mall a few days ago and, and looking through stores and we were just kind of laughing, pointing out things in, you know, really popular mainstream stores that were like, oh yeah, like I, I remember all of our queer friends were wearing that five years ago and it was very identifiable as, oh yes, yeah, she's gay or she's a lesbian. And now it's kind of part of mainstream style. And I'm very proud of that for our community that we really push things forward. And so it's important to me to have my dress be, I want it to feel feminine enough that I'm comfortable in it. But I also, I also want it to feel creative. All in all, we've heard all sorts of complexities in queer women's thoughts and experiences with wedding clothing. Maybe our one Katie, who is straddling being a little visible and a little hidden, provides a fitting note to end on. You know, at, at some point you have to just stop thinking about what everybody else is thinking and what, how they're perceiving you and just decide, that, you know, how you want to feel on the day. I guess I would just say that there, there's lots of ways to make your wedding authentic to who you are and um, being out is not the... Uh, end all and be all of everything. I think in our society at large, people think about that a lot. It's like being super, super important to being happy. I think there's a lot of ways to be honest in a relationship and it doesn't have to be always about how people perceive you. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you'll join us for our second episode when we take a look at the suit and the meanings that queer and trans folks bring to it for their wedding day. Redressing Weddings is produced by Ilya Parkins and Kenya Gutteridge. Editing is by Kenya Gutteridge. The podcast is supported by funding from the Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council of Canada. Our deep thanks go to all participants for sharing their stories.